Welcome to Mercy Culture, where it's like this every week. <laughs> I'm Nikki, lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco, where the vision of our church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. Because we don't want you to just come in here and encounter the Lord. We want you to know how to encounter him in your own home every single day. Because when you encounter the Lord, it is easy to hear him when you're in his presence. And when you learn to hear him and obey, everything changes in your life. It is a game changer. How many of you guys have gone through MC Connect? It is life changing. We have been pastors for almost 20 years, almost 20 years. We've married 20 years. But I'll tell you what, when we went through MC Connect, it blew my mind what the Lord did in that meeting. And after learning to connect with the Lord in other ways through MC Connect, it was a game changer. I don't just have one encounter with the Lord a day. I find him all throughout my day. As I'm driving, I'm connecting with him in nature and in movement. When I'm sitting in my house at home and it's quiet, which is rare, I have five children, <laughs> there is this solitude, this place of solitude and meditating upon his word that is so good. And so when we can learn to connect with the Lord, it changes everything about our lives. So this is how we do this. It is our membership but really it is discipleship. And what we call it is connect. It's really easy. If you just type connect to 59090, you'll get sent back this link. You go, you watch a few videos and you learn about our church. And then you take this really amazing assessment and it teaches you how you best connect with the Lord. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you today to take those next steps. Don't be a six-month visitor. Get married. <laughs> Make the decision and join today. All right. Can we stand for the reading of the word this morning? I just, there's such honor in the room today. So I want to honor him with his word today. We're going to start in Philippians 2, 5 through 13. It says, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and becoming found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the at, so, I'm sorry, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In verse 12, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I've come to tell you today that dunamis is fortified through the fear of the Lord. The title of my message today is Dunamis Through Obedience. Can we pray this morning? 
Father God, we give you this whole room. Lord, we thank you that you have already been here, that you are already here, you are already present. And God, when you're present, it is so easy to hear you, Lord. When you are present, nothing else can reside in this room. There is no fear in this room. There is no intimidation in this room. There is no lie that can stay or remain in this room and be present when your Holy Spirit rests here with us today. So Father, we thank you, God, for your visitation today with us. God, we are humbled before you. We are lowly. We come with contrite spirits, Father, in meekness so that your dunamis power and your might can work through us. So, Father, I give you my mouth today, Lord God. They came to hear you today, so every word, Father, let it be yours. And anything that's not of you, I tell it to fall to the wayside but let your words take root. Will you pierce the hearts of your people, Father? Will you bring deliverance in the room today, God? I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Dunamis. So we are stewarding a prophetic word over the year, and it's dunamis. His dunamis power, might, fortification of it. it says this is the year that his dunamis power goes from on us to in us that this would be a year of strengthening and fortifying we are committing this season to teaching how to strengthen and fortify in your faith now after we release this word of dunamis several prophetic words came in and i want to just i want to hit on a few of these because i need you to hear these today there is power in the room today not because of any man, not because of any orchestration of our own, but because the Holy Spirit is present here today. This year, you would fortify the foundations of your faith. That you would be a people of spirit and of the word. The word of God, the Bible, would strengthen you this year. The enemy's tactics where he says, did God really say would no longer work on you. I'm gonna say that again. They will no longer work on you because today is a new day. You will know what is written and you will know God's word. You would be strengthened by the word by reading it and memorizing it. If you want to fortify, sorry, this keeps going off. <laughs> If you want to fortify your faith, you have to know God's word. There seems to have been a theme this week amongst all of the leadership and pastors and friends and family members that I have noticed this week. There has been a harassing spirit. There has been a giant in the land walking around with his weapons and banging them and clanging them and causing distractions. And to be quite honest... I have a righteous anger in me this morning. How many know that other voices can affect our lives? Not just the enemy, but people that we know. It can drown out all reality. 
We have to know what his God said so we can, I'm sorry, we have to know what the Lord said so that we can stand firm. Know the word of God and stand firm on it. The Lord told me this year, he asked me, will you open your mouth and speak? And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've done worship for 20 years. I am a worshiper at my core, and that is easy for me to do because I'm going to worship the Lord in front of you the same way that I do in my own home. But speaking is very intimidating for me because lack of education, lack of experience, I could give you a list of reasons to disqualify myself. But the Lord is so much stronger than me. And if he says to open your mouth, he is promising you that he will put the words in your mouth to speak. So I'm standing before you today as an example that anyone can stand and share the word of the Lord. Will you give unto the taunts of the enemy and the voices around you or will you trust the Lord? Do you fear God more? Do you fear him more? Does it, I want to ask you real quick a question. I was going to move on, but I want to ask you a question. Has the Lord asked you to do something that you've been intimidated to step forward in doing? I want to tell you what you feel like you've been asked is probably from the Lord if it scared you. If it has intimidated you, if it's bigger than your abilities, your strengths, your talents, it's probably from the Lord. So I want to encourage you today. It's time to open your mouth and speak. In my encounter time this week, I felt like the Lord was treating me like an, like an illustrated sermon. Have you ever seen the pastor come in and they've got a pile of clothes and chains and all kinds of crazy stuff over here on the floor? And as they're preaching, they begin to put things on themselves. They put on a garment. They put on a tag. They put on words, stickers all over themselves from the distractions of the week. And the Lord took me through an encounter this week of, of learning how to cast down the lies of the enemy, take off all of the things from the week, all of the arrows, all of the lies, and not allow them to cling to myself that I'm so like just bent over with the pressure and the weight of the world around me. And so in my connect time this week, it's crazy because on my test, Usually they'll send you back three ways that you connect best with the Lord. And mine came up six. I had six ways that I am best connected with the Lord. And it's not because I just know what I'm doing. It's because the Lord has taught me how to steward his presence when everything else in the room is crazy. We have five children. And mornings can be crazy when your, your four-year-old gets up or your six-year-old gets up. But the Lord has taught us how to sit in his presence, even when that happens, and how to teach them how to go with us. So this week, as I began to love on him, I felt this anxiety start to come on me. And the Lord asked me ever so gently, will you sit with me today? And my heart just melted. I said, yes, Lord, I'm really sorry but I keep striving in your presence. All the lists of things keep coming and the, the activities and the, the stuff that's just life kept coming in the way. But he asked me, will you just sit with me? I'm like, I will sit with you, Lord. Tuesday morning came, I had this incredible encounter with the Lord. 
and we get to church and we're with our staff in Fort Worth. And it was amazing because the person that got up to speak was another pastor in our house. And come to find out, he had been experiencing the same things. The enemy taunting and lying and distracting and comparing. You're not going to sound like you're about to go and you're about to preach. And you're not going to sound like this other preacher. You're not going to sound like this other person. You don't have all the experience. Just lies of the enemy. The striving is back. I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, Lord. Am I going to be Martha or am I going to be Mary? Am I going to come with my list of complaints? Because, Lord, you know, I have to speak on Sunday. You've got to give me a word. Or am I going to just sit in his presence? Because I don't want to come with a word that's not from the Lord. And I don't want to come with a great word that the Lord may have used a talent or a gift to, to bring you and go without him. I don't want to do that, God. So teach me, Lord, how to sit in your presence, how to sit at your feet, how to break my alabaster box over your feet, Lord. Will you do that? Again, he said, will you just sit with me? So I chose him again. Has anyone else in here experienced that? How has your week been? The spirit of an intimidation and comparison, it's real. And the lies of the enemy feel like truth in a moment. If you don't know the truth and the word of God, you'll believe it. You will believe what the enemy is saying because some of it may be a fact, but it's not truth. There is a difference between fact and truth. Maybe some of these voices have come from people in your lives, not the enemy, they've allowed the enemy to speak through them. I feel like there's forgiveness in the room for, for parents and siblings and spouses today. That if we recognize that it's the enemy and not them, and we pray for them and we cover them and forgive them and release them, that power is not there. It has no hold on you. Hmm. So whose voice are you listening to? What did I say is what the Lord told me today. Are you going to let me be your strength? So I'm asking you, what has the Lord said to you? Will you fear man or will you fear the Lord? I want to take you to 1 Samuel 8.3. This is the story of Saul. And in the beginning of the story, I am rooting for Saul. Because he was just like any of us. The Lord just called him. Not because of anything that he did, but because the people were crying out for a king. It says, The Lord was the king of Israel. And Samuel was a prophet and a judge. And he was getting old, and so he asked his sons to take over and to judge the people. But in verse 3 it says, Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. So all the leaders of Israel came together and demanded Samuel to give them a king. This upset Samuel, and Samuel prayed out to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. He says in verse 7, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all they do, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. 
according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey the voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the way of the king who shall reign over them. God tells Samuel to warn the people. He tells them he's going to take your children, he's going to take your sons, he's going to make them commanders, he's going to make them plow the fields and reap the harvest. He tells them he's going to take his daughters, he's going to make them into performers. He's going to make them cook and serve him. He's going to take them from the best of the fields and give them to his servants, to his officers and their servants. He's going to take the best of your servants, male, female, young men, donkey, to work for his benefit. And he will take your flocks and you will be his slaves. In 18, it says, and he, in that day, you will cry out before, I'm sorry, he will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. The people still refused to obey Samuel. In chapter nine, the Lord grants Israel its request. In verse nine, I'm sorry, chapter nine, verse 15, it says, now the day before Samuel, now the day before Saul came, the Lord has revealed to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. He it is who shall restrain my people. In chapter 10, Saul is anointed and proclaimed as king. It says, poured, he poured a flask over his head and he kissed him and he said in verse one, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people and over the Lord and you will save them from the hand of the, of the surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. So the Lord chose him. So he shows him these signs. He begins telling him that people are going to come and they're going to prophesy over him. Two men are going to come down the hill and they're going to sh show you that you have been seeking your donkeys and because they were lost, but your father is more concerned for you. He said, there's going to be three more men that come down the mountain. They're going to come with three young goats, two loaves of bread, and they're going to give you the bread. I want you to receive it and go. So the Lord is, uh, Samuel is telling him a prophecy so that he will believe what the Lord said. He will believe that he was anointed king. In verse five, it says, after that, you shall come to Gibeth Elohim. There, in a, there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harps, tambourines, flutes, lyres before them, prophesying. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do for God is with you. So he's telling him, go and do whatever it is because I'm gonna be with you says in nine, God gave him another heart. A group of prophets meet him, just like he said, and the spirit of God rushed upon him and he prophesied among him. The spirit of the Lord rushed on him. He became another man 
and he had a new heart. Now, after all of these signs and prophecies and wonders on Saul, it says in 17, now Samuel called the people together to the Lord of Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have received your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So the tribes all presenting themselves and Samuel is looking for Saul. So after the Lord has come upon him, he finds himself looking for him. It says, but when they sought him, he could not be found. So the Lord answered Saul. Um, the Lord answered Samuel. In verse 22, he says, so they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. How many times have we hidden ourselves among the baggage of life? From intimidation, from fear, from lack of whatever it is that you want to hold against yourself. We've hidden ourselves. They find him, they present him, and as they're presenting him, they notice he stands up taller than all of the people. Samuel says, this is he the Lord has chosen. And all of the people said, long live the king. In chapter 11, Saul defeats the Ammonites. Saul comes to the rescue of the men of, J of Jabesh, fighting and winning a great battle. And the Ammonites, on their behalf, sorry, which win their hearts for, the, for him, and renewed the kingdom of Israel. So he's gone in, he's finally stood up, he's there, and it won the heart of the people when he went and fought for them. Chapter 12, Samuel reminds the people what they've asked for. Jacob oppressed in Egypt, so your fathers cried out. So the Lord sent you Moses, and he sent you Aaron to bring them out. In verse 9 it says, but they forgot the Lord their God. They took their eyes off the Lord. They forgot him. So they were sold into the hands of Sisera, commander of the armies of Hazor, and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab. They fought and cried out again to the Lord, save us so we can serve you. So the Lord sent them again, Jerubbabel, Barak, Japheth, and Samuel, and delivered them again. But then you saw ne but then you saw Nahash, king of the Ammonites. And this time you cried out for an earthly king. When the Lord your God was your king, you wanted an earthly king. So the Lord set a king over him. But still the Lord is merciful. He gives them a way out again. In verse 14, it says, if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, and if both you and the king will reign over, over you, will follow the Lord your God, it will be well with you. 
But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. In verse 20, it says, And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all of your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. After all of that, he's giving them mercy. But quickly, Samuel begins to go on his own path. In, verse thir- um, in chapter 13, he makes an unlawful sacrifice because he got impatient on waiting on Samuel to come down the mountain. So he sacrificed anyways, which in that time was a sin if you didn't sacrifice right in the exact time that you were supposed to. And instead of waiting on what was order, the prophet to come down, he sacrificed out of order. In chapter 14, he made a rash vow which almost cost his son his life. But the people cried out for mercy and his son was saved. But in chapter 15, he goes too far. The title of this chapter punched me in the gut when I read this. And I had the fear of the Lord come on me. Said the Lord rejected Saul. I just thought, oh God. Please don't reject me. Don't let me ever choose my own path so much so that you would reject me. I felt the weight of this. In verse 15, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to the Israel to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt now go and strike Amalek and devote to devastation all can you say all, all. devote all that they have do not spare them but kill both man and woman child and infant ox and sheep camel and donkey The Lord was killing the seed. He needed to kill the seed of that which was evil. In our obedience today, I felt the weight. What seed are we stopping in the future? What generational curses are you breaking in your obedience to your assignment? Because you choose to fear the Lord more than you do man. So there was another great battle. Verse 7, it says, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Sur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to devastation the people with the edge of the sword. It says in, 19, or in verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep of the oxen and of the fatted calves and of the lamb and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. He says in verse 11, I regret that I made Saul king. 
What would we have to do to make the Lord regret? For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. It grieved his spirit. Samuel came to Saul. And this is what he said. He said, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He was so proud of himself. I thought this was really funny. And Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ear and the lowing of oxen that I hear? I can just hear him and see him like, oh, really? You're going to tell me hello? You just completely disobeyed the Lord. But hello? No. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. So now he's being religious. They did not bring them. No. They did not bring them to sacrifice for the Lord. And the rest we devoted to devastation. Oh, the rest we did. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. Okay. And Samuel asked, are you not the head? Right here. Are you not the one responsible? They're not responsible. I made you king. You made this decision and you allowed it. And I felt with this, the scripture right here, what are we tolerating? What are we tolerating in our leadership, in our homes? What are we tolerating in our marriages and with our children? We are called to raise the seed that's going to go forth. We are called to raise the Davids that will go into battle. So what are we tolerating? He said, the Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to, de- to devastation the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Not partially, not kinda, not, oh, I told him to stop. No, if a murderer walked into your house and was gonna come after you, you wouldn't just be like, oh, please stop, please stop. No, if, well, if you're from Texas, so pardon me if you're not this way, but if you're from Texas, you're going to whip out your shotgun. (laughs) Say, come at me. I have authority. This is my house. This is my domain. This is my territory. You have no right. This is what you would say. So you're the king. Why did you let these people do this? Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Saul asks. Why do you pounce on the spoils and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel's response here. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone, I'm sorry, Saul's response. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. The arrogance and the pride in this man's voice literally angered me. I'm sitting in my living room ready to fight. I'm not kidding. Like, are you kidding me? I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission of which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted to the Amalekites to devastation. But the people took of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord on Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord 
a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as sin of divination. Divination is the sin of witchcraft. It's calling up the dead. It's fortune telling. And he tells him that rebellion, just by not listening, just, oh, I kind of listened. He rebelled and it's as bad as divination. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Just to presume. Oh, don't let us presume, God. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I felt the weight because there's been so many times that I have done this. But I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning that there is mercy and there is grace in this house and there is redemption here today. Now, he says, now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Samuel turned to go away. Saul seized the skirt of his robe, and it was tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has tore the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. I felt the fear of the Lord. It's one thing to want to come and deliver a word to you that lets you leave here full of joy and excitement and another to have to deliver a word to you that you better fear the Lord more than you do any other voices. I don't want the kingdom tore from our hands. I don't want this great city that he obviously loves so much that he would send all of you here did you see the hands raised today when we asked how many of you are not from Waco, but the Lord sent you? And it seems the testimony seems to be the same. I don't really know why the Lord sent me here. We just showed up in Waco. Hmm, I wonder why. It's because he loves this city. He loves this state and he loves this nation and he is tired of the giants in the land walking around, taking what they please and us sitting around terrified of them. But he did. Saul was a, had a prideful heart. He feared man and he was disobedient. But the Lord said, I'm going to send you somebody greater. He sends in David. Now David was a man after God's own heart is what the word says. He had a servant's heart who feared the Lord and was obedient. David was the son of Jesse and he was the youngest of eight. And Jesse's oldest three sons were already out on the battlefield with Saul. David was about his father's business. He stayed in the fields and he knew what his father was asking. He had intimacy with him when nobody else could see what he was doing. 
He was obedient in the field, tending to his father's sheep, being devoted. He was obedient to his father to go serve his brothers in the field. His brother or his father asked him, son, will you take these things, the bread and the cheese, and will you go and will you serve your brothers? They're out fighting on the battlefield. Will you go? And he went and he just went to serve in obedience. I thought this was really crazy the way the Lord aligned these two things. In 1 Samuel 17, it says, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. I want to stop right there for just a second because this leapt off the page at me. He went to the battlefield to serve his brothers in obedience to his father. And instead of staying where he was supposed to stay and hide amongst the baggage, like Saul did, says that he ran to the ranks. He wasn't afraid. He went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines, spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. So he can hear the voice of the enemy. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the man of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him and great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? This is my favorite scripture. That he should defy the armies of the living God. Who is he? Who do you think you are? So shall it be done to this man who kills him? Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And why, whom have you left those sheep with in the wilderness? I know your presumptions and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what what have I done now? I felt this. Do any of you have any siblings that have picked on you when you know that you're doing something that the Lord has told you to do? Who do you think you are? I have literally received that. My testimony is wild and crazy. (laughs) Where is Christopher? (laughs) Your brother's raising his hand up here. He said he's been taunted by you. (laughs) Other way around, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh. No, but he says, let's see. David spoke, or his brother was angry. And I have, I have received this. The story of my past is not one of growing up in church, but it was growing up in the world, doing the things of the world, and the Lord saved me and redeemed me. But I got taunts from siblings. Who do you think you are going to church and getting up and leading worship? Who do you think you are getting up thinking that you can go and preach the word of God? I know what your past is. This is a giant in the land. 
I know who you are. David's response, what have I done now? What is this but a word? What is wrong with you? And he turned away from him toward another. This is amazing. And spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the word that David spoke was heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David feared the Lord more than he did any man or any brother of his. He was obedient in tending the fields of his father. He was obedient to go and serve his brothers on the battlefield. He didn't back down in intimidation to his brother, but he repeated himself. How many times have we been taunted and just, oh, never mind, I won't say that. But David rose up in boldness and said, if you won't listen to me, they will. He caught the attention of the king who then sent him into battle. Mm. He said, he told him, let no man's heart fail. I will fight him. David didn't back down and become silent because of his brother, nor was he intimidated by the king. And the giant proved he fear, his fear was not in man. He had already taken down the lion and he had already taken down the bear. So he was equipped and he always gave the glory to the Lord. He had a humble heart that feared the Lord first. His response was this, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In verse 44, he says, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give your dead body to the host of the Philistines. This day, the birds of the air and the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Today, there is a God in Waco. And that all the assemblies may know that the Lord saves, not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. But as great as David was, there was still one even greater than him. I know what today is. Today is Palm Sunday. But there have been giants in the land. The Lord entered into the city this week to be received, but instead he was rejected and murdered on a cross that he so beautifully gave his life for. And I don't want to deny the Lord what his sacrifice was for us because I listened to a giant in the land. I want to go back to our opening scripture. 
Philippians 2, 5 through 13, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of a man and becoming found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He didn't just die. He took every lash. He took every beating. He took the crown of thorns. He took the, the false religion that they wrapped around his shoulders in a robe. He took it all on the cross. Hmm. He took it all so that we could live and to have life more abundantly so that we could go forth into the land and fight the battles for our children and our children's children and our children's children's children to break and to bind the curses in this land so that he is not searching any longer so that he has a place to rest his head. You are his to will and work for his good pleasure. What has the Lord asked you to do today? Do you fear the Lord or do you fear man? fear man more than I fear you Lord the fear of the Lord is not a scary thing the fear of the Lord is God I just want to please you God please don't take your presence from me just like Moses cried out God, please don't take your glory. Please don't take your presence from me. There is redemption in the house today. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But the Lord is so merciful and he is so forgiving. And whether it has taken you 20 years to open your mouth and speak, whether he asked you yesterday would you give him your yes today would you give the Lord your yes today would you ask him father forgive me father forgive me today for fearing man more than I forgive more than I feared you I don't want to waste another minute I don't want my children to have to pay for what I didn't do. I don't want my children to, to walk in intimidation. I don't want my children to walk in fear. I 
want to raise up giant killers in the land. And we are the ones that are responsible today. The Lord is asking you, will you answer his cry today? Tori, will you sing over the people? David would go to King Saul and he would play his lyre and the enemy would flee. I just felt that you were supposed to sing over us. That the enemy had no authority in this house when we give him all the glory. If you need prayer, if you need healing in your body, would you come up here this morning? If you need forgiveness, I tell you, forgiveness is so easy in His presence. It is so easy to hear God and obey. Father, we come low today. what you have for us, God. We don't want to miss it, Lord. Your dunamis power, your might comes through meekness. It comes with a contrite spirit. It comes when we are lowly. Father, we come low to you. We come low to you today. Would you forgive your people, Father, for fearing man and not fearing you? Would you forgive us?
cannot have our spouse. You cannot have our family. You cannot have our city. You're a 